Hey everyone and welcome to season two of the podcast and this season will be a shorter one but a deep one all focused around our personal prayer life and how we can live a life of praying without ceasing and at the start of a year many of us are looking at our routines and our rhythms and where we would like to go deeper with God next year so this season is an equipping one exactly for that. I'm your host Aaron Planner and it is my prayer that this season is an invitation for you to go deeper in relationship with Jesus and in your personal prayer life. Hello everybody and welcome to episode two and this episode is called Make Your Life a Prayer. Um, But before we dive in, I want to know how did you go with the activations in episode one? I would love to hear all about it. Um, Hit me up on social media or send me a message. I'd love to hear how the Lord encourages you and that actually encourages me as he encourages you. So yeah, I'd love to know. Please reach out and let me know how you went. And if you haven't listened to episode one yet, why don't you put a pause on right now and jump back a couple episodes because these, this season, season two, the episodes will actually build one on top of the other. So if you haven't listened to episode one, just give a little pause now, jump back and then join us again in a moment in episode two. So episode two is going to be based all around the scripture of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 17. And I'm going to read it in the ESV translation first, which says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Isn't that beautiful? And uh, now I'm going to go through and read in two other translations. And when I'm studying scripture, I love to look at the different translations of the same passage. I feel it's like when I look at if you have a diamond or maybe you've got an engagement diamond uh, and you see the light shine through it from all different sides when you hold it up to the light, the way that the diamond is cut, you can normally see um, different facets of the diamond as you turn it around under light. And I feel like it's the same way with scripture. When we look at different translations, it's looking at the the beauty of the scripture from different areas, different, different facets, like you would look at it from a diamond. Okay, so if you don't do that already, that's that's an awesome um, way to actually read scripture. An easy way to do that is on the YouVersion Bible app. You can download multiple versions of uh, of scripture and have them on your phone. So yeah, if you don't do that already, jump on that. It's an awesome way just to, I think, get the richness out of God's word. So the Amplified Version of this same scripture says this, Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. It's so beautiful. Um, I just love this passage. Um, The final one is probably my favorite translation of this, and it is the Passion Translation. Yeah, if you have not ever read the Passion Translation, my gosh, you are in for such a treat. Uh, and the Passion Translation says this, Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. It's beautiful. I'm going to read it again. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Oh, I love it. Make joy be your continual feast. So good, just this idea of us being able to feast at the banquet of joy 
and that we would make our lives a prayer. So the the translation of pray without ceasing in the Passion Translation is make your life a prayer. And that's where we're going to dive in. That's where we're going to start. How do we actually make our lives a life of prayer? Not necessarily, um, you know, praying praying in a prayer meeting or praying, walking around praying in tongues all the time. But what does it actually look like if we're not, you know, a monk or a nun or we're not a mystic living remotely in nature somewhere out of, you know, the distractions of a modern life? What does it actually look like to pray without ceasing, to make our life a prayer in our in the modern lives that we live? Um, pray without ceasing might be easy for Apostle Paul to write, but he didn't have, you know, a business or three children you might be thinking you might be thinking it's so easy for him to say it. He was like a full-time apostle. I have maybe aging relatives that I'm looking after or perhaps even you're not in full health and that's taking up a lot of your time just to be be well and to look after yourself or perhaps you're um, traveling 60% of the year and you're in a new executive role that you've just been promoted to and that's taking up a lot of your time. Um and you think, yeah, praying, praying without, pray without ceasing is easy for for an apostle to say uh, in ancient times, but much more difficult for us in our modern lives to live. But as I dug deeper a little bit into this scripture and into the the context, um, it actually encouraged me a lot in this space because the context of this chapter of the uh, the context of this book of One Thessalonians is not not being written to monks or nuns or even people who are having a really easy life. So let's look at a bit of the background context and I think it will help us in how we are to actually apply that to our lives. So as I was saying just before, uh, this book is written by the Apostle Paul and they the commentators say likely written uh, by him in Corinth at about 50 to 51 CE and he is writing to the church in Thessalonica. Acts 17 gives us a bit of a backstory to this church and to what happened uh, in Thessalonica. So Paul and Silas, they both went together out to Thessalonica and spent, commentators say, about four weeks sharing the gospel. So they went on a bit of a crusade and the really amazing thing and awesome thing that we see is that within those four weeks there was a very substantial group of new converts that they had They had enough to form a church, which I think is like every crusade evangelist dream, every church planters dream that in four weeks of sharing the gospel, they would have a substantial group of new converts that they would need to create a church. So they do that. And then the church quickly grows. And as the church is growing quickly, so does the resistance and the suspicion um, of the Roman government of this group of believers and of Paul and Silas. Um, they are accused of defying Caesar because they are saying that there is no other king but King Jesus. They are preaching the gospel, people. And you can see that in Acts 17, 7 if you want to give it a read for yourself. It is a great, uh, I love the book of Acts. And chapter 17 is, yeah, there's so many, so much gold in it. So basically Paul and Silas, they have to flee Thessalonica uh, and they have to leave this group of really, early, like really young believers. And they hear, uh, Paul hears back from this group of believers via Timothy. He hears that they're doing all right despite intense persecution that is still happening. And this is basically Paul's first letter back to this um, this group of 
relatively new believers in Thessalonica after he's had to flee and leave them. And you can hear his heart. You know, this is not just a group of random people, but these are people who, you know, Paul has has not just shared the gospel, but you know, led in the ways of Jesus. So you can you can hear in some of the writing that the the emotion in his heart, and I love that. In this letter, he celebrates their faithfulness to Jesus despite the persecutions and the challenges um, that they're having. And this recall, this call to rejoice always and pray without ceasing is sent to a people who, for the sake of the gospel, are probably, from what commentators tell us, they're probably like isolated from um, some neighbors and some friends because of their, because of what they're preaching, because they're preaching that there is no other king other than Jesus. Um, most people would receive hostility from family and, and friends for this because the Roman government now is starting to come against them. Um, it also made f- things financially difficult. They were often discriminated against in the marketplace. So if any of these guys were believers, uh, sorry, were business people, they could be facing some intense marketplace discrimination and they were in danger of imprisonment. So Paul is calling them to pray without ceasing within the context of calling them to a life of maintaining their holiness, of loving one another and living in a place of hope for the future return of Jesus. He's not calling a bunch of monks or nuns to pray without ceasing or people with perfect lives. He's calling a group of believers who have real lives and real families and who are living in some pretty intense persecution. He's praying them is sorry, he's calling them to pray without ceasing. So that very much encouraged me that he was not, you know, calling a group of even, you know, holy people who are living in a temp in the temple and serving in that space, but very normal people with very normal lives who are living in challenging circumstances and situations. He's calling them to pray without ceasing. So I hope that encourages you as much as it encourages me, because if he's calling them to do that in that circumstance and situation, then I can listen to that. That can be something that can be applicable to my life. So what does that actually mean? What does it actually mean to pray without ceasing? I think that Henry Nouwen, um, who if you don't know, please Google him. He's amazing. But he, this is a quote that I from him that I feel sums it up beautifully. He says, Prayer is first of all listening to God. It is openness. I love that. God is always speaking. He's always doing something. Prayer is is to enter into that activity, to convert your thoughts into prayer. As we are involved in unceasing thinking, so we are called to unceasing prayer. The difference is not that prayer is thinking about other things, but that prayer is thinking in dialogue, in conversation with God. Isn't that awesome? I love it. It's like as we are involved in unceasing thinking, and I don't know, I don't know about you, but I am definitely involved in unceasing thinking. And so we are called to unceasing prayer. And the difference is not that we need to think about other things, but actually that we just um that prayer is just thinking in dialogue with God, in conversation with God. That just makes it for me feel so accessible and so applicable to everyday life. Uh, no matter what it is that I'm doing or where I'm going, uh, it makes it it makes me feel like yes, I can pray without ceasing because I'm actually able just to take my everyday thought life and 
offer that to God and invite God into that as dialogue and as conversation. So if you don't hear anything else from this episode, what I'm about to say next is what I need you to hear and what I'd love for you to take into your heart to meditate on with the Lord. The way to create an unceasing prayer life or to pray without ceasing is not to try harder. It isn't to pray harder. It isn't to have 50 alarms on our phone going off every two seconds to remind us to keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. It's not to beat ourselves up about not having a good enough prayer life or that we should be further along this road right now. But the key to creating an unceasing prayer life is to fall more in love with Jesus. And it's to focus the posture of our heart on him. And in doing that, in doing those things, that we actually will easily find ourselves in a place of relationship and therefore in a place of constant prayer. Okay, so we're going to unpack a little bit more of what that looks like and how we do that in the following episodes. But before we close today, we're going to do an activation. So this activation is going to take about five to 10 minutes. Um, If you're in the shower, driving on the way to work, doing the shopping, driving in the car, you might want to pause this and do this at home. But I'm going to walk us through that activation. So we're going to take a journal or a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, I want you to divide it in two. And on one side, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us any lies that we are believing about our prayer life or about prayer that are preventing us from going deeper in our prayer life and with Jesus. This, guys, is probably one of the most powerful exercises that I have done and that I do with anyone who is struggling with their prayer life. I do this regularly on, I would say, a couple of months basis because it's crazy the amount of lies that we just pick up and it's wild how they can block us actually from experiencing relationship with Jesus in new ways and in deep ways. So don't be alarmed by the stuff that may come up. (laughs) I know sometimes I'm like, whoa, what is that and where does that come from? And when the Holy Spirit starts to reveal stuff, so this is a no shame and no condemnation zone. Um, these things can be recent things or these things can be things that have happened, you know, maybe even when you were in youth ministry or when you were really young or things that you picked up like at home with your parents, like 30, 40 years ago. Um, just let the Holy Spirit guide whatever it is. Um, and it's an exercise that you may want to do. I don't know, once a year, once six months, maybe the Holy Spirit will remind you again in a couple of months time to do it. Um, he knows when we need these things. Okay. So what does a lie sound like? We know that a lie is um, something that binds us in shame and condemnation. It's something that is not aligned with scripture and something that is not aligned with the character of God. So some lies that we may believe um, about prayer or about our prayer lives or about our ability to be in relationship and conversation with God are things like, I can't pray or thoughts like, I don't think I'm doing this right or thoughts like it has to look like this or it's not prayer or maybe it's something that like a youth leader said to you six years ago of like, hey, you don't pray like this, you shouldn't be praying like that. Maybe it's something you've picked up like prayer is boring, prayer doesn't work, maybe some disappointment in your life has has led you to believe prayer doesn't work. Maybe... I don't know, there's so many different things that can come up in those situations. So 
just put them down. Do not attribute any moral value to them. They're just lies. Uh, Place them down on one side of the page. Once you've done that, uh, ask the Holy Spirit again to show you for each of these lies that he has revealed what is the truth that he wants to tell you about this. And this is where it gets powerful, guys. So maybe something, for example, where you've written down, I can't pray, the Holy Spirit may show you something like, actually, I love it when you sing to me your prayers. Singing to me is totally praying. Or maybe he might say something like, um, you know, I never know if I'm getting, if I'm doing prayer right. He might say something to you like, you know, when you were talking to me, when you went on that walk last week, that's prayer. And I love it when we, when we're in relationship like that. Um, they're just examples. The Lord will speak to you specifically about each of these, I'm sure, because that is his heart to bring freedom in those spaces so that you can go deeper with him um, in your prayer life. Don't be shocked, as I said again. Let anything needs to come up, come up and know that it's only coming up because the Holy Spirit is going to lead you in truth about those in, in those uh, spaces. So once you have these two things written down, just simply ask God to forgive you for believing those lies. It's a very quick prayer. Don't worry about like, you know, making it long and winded, just very quick prayer. Ask for forgiveness, be released from those lies and start to enjoy the joy that will fill your prayer life and the new freedom that you have in this space. All right, let me pray for you before we wrap up. So God, I thank you that you are the revealer, that your Holy Spirit is a revealer of truth. And Lord, I just thank you that it is your heart to go deeper with us in prayer, in relationship, that Jesus, you want that for us more than we even want it for ourselves. And so Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you come now to bring truth and freedom, that you come to even um, remap things in our minds that perhaps have been that way for a very long time. I thank you that, Lord, in one moment that you can bring truth and revelation and God, I thank you, Lord, that that as these things start to fall, as these lies start to crumble, that God, we will be released to experience you in prayer in new and deeper ways, to um, have conversation and relationship and, and abiding with you in new spaces and new places, and that joy would be restored to prayer lives wherever this is happening. And whoever is listening and whoever is I'm just committed to doing this process with you, God. Yeah, I just pray and I release the joy of the Lord to be restored to prayer lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.